0: and hello everyone it is your buddy and your pal ouch back again with as it turns out just a traditional ouch cast no movies no games just actual kind of writing and talking and that kind of deal with the stuff it is ouch as always from the under the bridge tavern, aka my basement. Here again, more relaxing, more just kind of thoughts pouring out. They're previously written out, and I record over them. See, you know, you know, you try to do a podcast. You have these ideas. Hey, maybe I'll get into voice acting, or hey, maybe someone will like the idea, or just like like just like hearing my voice and stuff like that. And the most anyone says about it is like you remind me of the ride announcements telling people to keep your hands and arms and feet inside the vehicle. <sighs> Compliment? Insult? I'm I'm not quite sure on that one. I mean, I they they mean the best, but like If I'm trying to go for, like, hey, what is going on, everyone? This is Dr. Cool at the 9 o'clock hour. You know, something like that I'll take, but... No, please keep your hands and vehicles inside all times. I swear to God, this is my life now. What are you going to do? Please, help me. Disney does not have a therapist on staff. It's crazy. It's like, you know, there's a weird difference between the two. You know what I mean? So, today's episode, um definitely one of those things you kind of got to mark in your life you know we're talking about my experience my views through the pandemic with covid 19 all that plus we're talking dark side of the ring season three a couple episodes of that should be a very good show very basic very normal so let's get to it but before the actual ouchcast. I need to earn some pennies with a sponsored segment. So... Uh, A brand new writing laptop. And as it turns out, it's actually pretty comfortable in doing so on said lap. Hopefully this will make getting a creative drive going a lot easier. It was that thing where, yeah, sure, I got the stimulus money, so I could go crazy and drop a bunch of cash on something I wouldn't really need all the bells and whistles for. But after I talked myself off the price ledge, I found one on sale that gets the stuff from my head, onto Google, onto the studio computer for recording, which is honestly all I need. We'll see if I can get a rhythm down where I can pause whatever I'm watching or playing, jot down a few things, and then come back into it but a laptop definitely looks like it'll work a lot better than turning on these slow-ass PCs I have, just to write down some useless jokes. A new countdown has started. June 2nd, the day Ohio's pandemic health orders are all lifted. Certainly, such an interesting period of time. I think the moment where I realized we were living in history was back in March 2020, I was back at my company's busiest store, a non-stop cavalcade of attitude and business. Basically, everyone was getting messages that all the schools were sending kids home and going to an all-digital route. And it was out of the blue with a fast turnaround. It was a Thursday, I think, and it was as fast and, and simple as, Go home now, come back Monday, hopefully we'll figure something out then. It was that moment you kind of go, oh, hey, this is serious. But I will say this, if I was a high school senior during this time, and the school just shuts down and tells you you have two months where you can't physically see your classmates, I'm taking that deal. All the teenagers I was working with were all bummed because of no prom or graduation or anything like that. But I hated school with such tormented agony. If someone told me you don't even have to see them ever again for two extra months, tell me where to sign, Mr. Elzebub. Now, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think I was the first one to start wearing a mask. I'm not sure if I'm trying to be braggadocious or to take credit that most people aren't really going to give me but I was not taking any chances. While that building is the busiest in the whole company, it's also possibly the oldest, not updated as well building as so. There are very narrow aisles, not a lot of walking space. People are practically entering and exiting in the same rows from the entrance. So to deal with an unknown yet particularly respiratory disease, in a small amount of space, with a maximum number of people, wearing a mask was kinda like going to a concert wearing earplugs. Yeah, it's not the most comfortable of things, but you do get to keep whatever senses you have. Now, I was very lucky. While at the busiest of stores, the laws were very lenient, or at least more so than what they would become. I never thought I would miss masks only being strongly recommended, but here we are. But at that level, we didn't have to bother anyone nor kick people out. But the weird thing is about that part of the city where it's located, I would always compare it to having a bunch of hallway monitors come in for milk. It's just a weird, tattletale, mightier than thou attitude a chunk of that population had. People would complain to us about people not wearing masks, and we didn't do anything because we didn't have to. And even with the next level being the mask mandate, we were under the assumption that it was up to the state to enforce the rule. Which, the funny thing is, we would have like a night cop stationed in the store right there. Nothing ever happened, but it's nice to be on the safe side. And he said, we're not getting into a pissing contest over masks. Until they made the businesses enforce it, then they got into pissing contests over masks. So pretty much no one was on the same page as these rules. At least, until it was up to us, the businesses, to start enforcing it. Once the burden of enforcement went onto the businesses themselves, there's nothing more humiliating than going up to people, holding a little baggie with a mask in it especially when it's a dude who can probably kick my ass. Even with eight years kickboxing training, I don't need to fight a living horse muscle in the middle of the baking aisle. Now, 90% of the time, it's just absent-mindedness. People forgot it in their car or to put it on from their purse, that's fine. But every now and again, There's always that guy who wants to get into the ideological argument about whether or not the governor has that power to do those kind of things. And as it turns out, the anti-masker was never on the same side as authority. Who knew? Although, here is the weird thing. I would get a non-masker. I go up to them with my reverse dog-do bag. I would ask them, hey, can I get you to wear this mask? They say no, etc. So, I go to ask them to leave, and they seem not pissed, but more that feeling that they are dropping their standards to wear one. And then all of a sudden, they dig into their pocket, they have their own mask, they're not happy but they're wearing their mask, so, so wait a minute. You claim you aren't wearing a mask, yet you keep one in your pocket just in case? That's just you being a sellout. And I had this happen to me... twice. As much as it would kill me not to be courteous to a customer, I always toyed with the idea of just going full attitude like a Dave Chappelle sketch character, just going right back against them. I never did that, mostly because I don't want to get shot. But still, believe me, I get the anxiety whenever I have to close, just because of dealing with who knows who not wearing something. Trust me, I gave a lot of leeway with mask rules. Under the nose, on the chin, those weird plastic shields that don't block any actual airflow, whatever. Just put something on your head lump, and I'll leave you alone, no matter how stupid you look. Slight addendum to that end section. Uh, the new rule is we don't necessarily have to enforce it, because if you're immune, who cares? And I tell you, the first hour, I'm just in my head counting. And it was double digits people not wearing masks, so... Anyways. Now, after going through all that, yeah. Maybe it's a little silly for masks and all that, but to be honest, they are important. Back in November, I did test positive for COVID-19. Except I didn't get it through work, I got it through my gym. Back in March, with basically everything getting shut down, or at least as non-human as possible, that puts my martial arts gym, as well as every other gym, in a really weird predicament. How do you train or teach something that relies on the physicality of things? thus began the zoom training sessions ugh talk about the grind maybe not the physical but just trying to do shadow boxing for 45 minutes in a physically small space with maybe three other people on shadow boxing is important but not 45 minutes important it was a real exercise in futility hey so my gym opens back up one way or another. Not here to argue right or wrong, just stating facts. Months go by, nothing happens. Until around November, when I get hit with a 19. Now, I know it was the gym, because the coach who gave it to me basically disappeared with it right the day after teaching the class before, and I'm usually the helper. And I can tell you for a fact, I probably or possibly got at least one other person sick, Maybe two. So, to the dude who was sick around Thanksgiving but doesn't think it was COVID, yeah, it was totally COVID because it was from me. Now, I keep going on about having COVID and all that, but all things considered, I am very lucky it was only a mild case. I would have a very solid headache, My back would be so stiff it was almost impossible to get out of bed in the morning, and I only broke fever maybe once. I mean, in total, I was sick for maybe four days. I kept my sense of taste and smell, I never had a breathing problem, and honestly, I took Advil and basic-ass painkillers the entire time, and I was pretty much functional. Now, some people in my company were not so lucky, some were out for months, still can't taste or smell, and we've had a few passings, either of employees or family members, so it's still a serious issue. I like to call it the not-about-you disease, because it requires you to not be so damn selfish and think about the other people and their health. I'm not really sure what the lesson could be here, if there's a lesson or not, or if I'm just an egomaniac begging for attention from a really easy outlook. I do have a feeling that a lot of people are either throwing their masks away, or hell, even burning them in a really weird show of pride, ignorance, pride in their ignorance, what have you. But I'm telling you, I'm keeping mine! When you spend a year in a mask, and look at how a simple little thing can just create a massive separation between people, To throw that lesson away like it's a college textbook, I just can't do that. You have to be able to learn something from this, even if it's small, or even if it's just you learning a little bit of humility. Homemade, surgical, plastic, cloth, I dare you, just keep one. Use it as a reminder of a time to show how bad, horrible, rude, mean, angry, or unsympathetic we as a society can be. Use it as a reminder, hey, next time, maybe not be such a jerk about this kind of stuff, just in terms of how we treat people under duress. I'm keeping mine, mostly to remind myself, hey, throw away those recipes for bat, it's a really bad idea. So. I've been very excited for the fact that Dark Side of the Ring is back for the third season. It's the thing about documentaries where they can hook you in really easily just because you can't write some of this stuff. Plus, when it comes to professional wrestling, there's this phenomenon where every single infamous story there is... You only know about it as rumor and hearsay on some wrestling news site with shitty pop-ups and clickbait ads for their premium membership. For Dark Side of the Ring, you can either rent it from Vice on YouTube for a small price, or you can watch it for free on YouTube, which I still think is really funny. This is probably going to be a running segment for the pod, as I have no idea when I make my shows and Dark Side is a weekly series, so you may get some lump sum thoughts wherever I release an episode. You'll get the idea. The series premiere was over Brian Pillman, the original Loose Cannon. I'm struggling to act like everyone would know Brian Pillman, as I don't think he really reached that level of household name like some of his contemporaries at the time, like Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Pro wrestling wise, he had some blips on the radar as impactful moments or changing the business kind of things. The loose cannon moniker came from his days in WCW where in a strap match with the head matchmaker, He grabs the mic and says, I respect you, Booker Man! It was the first real kind of shoot moment that wasn't an actual fight, but still left everyone scratching their heads, wondering what was happening. After a couple of appearances in ECW, he signed with WWE, where he... certainly worked for a period of time, before his death in late 1997. This may have been the fault of the documentary but his moments were kind of few and far between where most of your ideas blur that line of legit drama and pro wrestling bullshit it becomes a debate over trust but to be fair he had a mountain of at-home drama so maybe he was just driven crazy for real as the personal side of things were way more the issue than anything in the ring. Outside the ring, Pillman's life is just as turbulent, if not more so. As a kid, he had a throat condition where he had polyps growing on his vocal cords, which he had to get scraped off, but they would just come right back. I'm under the assumption most people only have maybe one throat operation in their entire life, you know, the tonsils, what have you. And he had some ridiculous number, at least over 30, just as a three-year-old. I mean, my theory is your personality is set really early in your life, whether it be happy, sad, that is when you get your frame of personality started, so to speak. When you're a toddler, and you're having emergency throat surgery on your doctor's dining room table. You can't tell me that doesn't leave some trauma behind. Flash forward through growing up, so now Pillman is an adult. He goes through a bit of a crash course of relationships with things getting messy really fast, multiple times. A lot of multiple kids from past relationships, fights, divorces, I'm not judging or anything, but it's not great for trying to find that quiet time at home, if you know what I mean. All things considered, he seemed to be the only real adult in the group, and was certainly aiming to be the best dad he could be, but between suicides, fractured relationships, and possible drug abuse... Those ingredients don't swirl around and make something better. This was pretty good to open up the season, but only slightly on the pro wrestling side and more on the personal side. Honestly, there wasn't really a whole lot with the wrestling of true moments. Mostly I respect you Booker man and maybe threatening Steve Austin with a gun, but man The Whitewater Rapids family life he had, that's just too much for anyone. Episode 2 covers Nick Gage, and I still may need an explanation as to why he's important. Nick Gage is what's known as a deathmatch wrestler. Deathmatch wrestling is basically wrestling without the logic or finesse. When someone kicks out of a pin attempt after being tossed onto a contraption made of glass Christmas ornaments and lit cigarettes, perhaps the storytelling is a bit different from the traditional sense. Don't get me wrong, I've watched it before. I do have a Deathmatch Tournament DVD in the collection, not that I go to it constantly or put it on my recommendation list, But it does scratch that curiosity of what happens when you throw out your sense of compassion and drop someone onto thumbtacks or hit them with those giant water bottles they use for office water coolers. I have made none of those weapons up. I have seen them used like that. So Gage is one of those guys, mostly wrestling for a group called Combat Zone Wrestling, or CZW which might be where my disconnect comes in, as most of my indie fandom never treads into that territory. But they never really mention a moment that registers him an indie hero or builds him as this folk legend. I mean, there's no particular spot, there's no match, there's no rivalries. They pretty much go, okay, this guy is a god, now then. Literally, the only moment they bring up is him slicing an artery open while tumbling through some light tubes, then him being pronounced dead for seven minutes while being life-flighted to the hospital. Like, like, the medieval bard is struggling with the song about his deeds. Nick Gage, Nick Gage, oh so full of rage. That's all I got right now. Now, if you're a deathmatch wrestler, you will have issues with painkillers. I really don't believe the stuff for higher pain tolerances or shit like this. You fell through panes of glass that were on fire. It's not like that's part of your to-do list. So he needs painkillers, but he has no money, so he makes the only logical choice, he robs a bank. And he does it without wearing a mask or concealing his identity at all. Some balls, yes, but mostly stupid. He turns himself in, spends five to seven years in jail, yet somehow keeps a ludicrously large fan base who hails him as a hero. There's more puzzle pieces to this panorama of insanity, but the basics tell you, hey, here's a thug who got into wrestling. Even after watching this episode, I am still scratching my head wondering how this dude can conduct an apparently massive fanbase despite the fact I see nothing pro wrestling special about him. The few promos they show are basic profanity, they mention no in-ring work beyond a pizza cutter, and he somehow has some respect from his other locker room members. It's that thing I've always heard about having a passion for the business, but in all honesty, what did that get him, besides an addiction and a bed provided by the state? I may have to agree with Jim Cornette on this one, as I still don't quite see why anyone would get behind a bank-addicted drug robber. Not my joke, but it fits really well. This has been an Ouchcast Productions presentation. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Ouch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H. Check us out over at anchor.fm slash ouch. Leave a voice message and maybe you'll hear it in a future episode. Don't forget, this show is also available on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. Just search the Ouchcast. Anything else? Email us ouch64 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.